All right, good evening and welcome to The Aging Hipster. I am your host, Bob Serrano. Today, I am welcoming artist and designer Kevin Murphy to the show. Good evening. It's always a pleasure to reconnect with someone from the old country. Thanks so much for having me on, Bob. I'm excited to be here. And I think you wanted to kind of tell people, narrow down to where exactly the old country is, because it's not like it's Eastern Europe or anything <laughs> like that. It is more like Northeast McHenry County, Illinois. Right, you're you're a Spring Grover, yeah, right? Spring Grover. My husband likes to joke that I'm actually from Wisconsin, which isn't. It's like five minutes from the truth. That's that's not funny at all. <laughs> I do not find that. I don't funny. think so either. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah, it is Illinois. It is not Wisconsin. That's right. Well, yeah, we're gonna have to take care of that later. Anyway, so thank you for being on. So before we get into tonight's show, I'd like to take care of a little business. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. You can email me at aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook. I just uh, established a Facebook group. I think that's what people do now. So you can stay informed on all the happenings. Right now, along with my interviews, my friend Toby and I are doing a Star Wars rewatch, and that has been a whole lot of fun. Kevy, are you a Star Wars fan? Mm, I mean, a little bit. Mm, A little bit. Yeah. Your husband? You know, it was reignited with the kids because my son's super into Star Wars. Okay, our whole family nice. was actually Star Wars characters last year for Halloween. Oh, no way. Who are you? I was uh, Padme. Oh, nice. Um, did you see my picture that I did for the Star Wars rewatch? Did you happen to no, see No, I haven't. You know, you should check that out. You should, yeah. Uh, I had myself drawn as Princess Leia <laughs> and Toby's <laughs> Chewbacca. Perfect. So we had a lot of friends. But Perfect. Before we get into the interview, you should ask your family to submit some questions because I am looking for questions for episode four, New Hope, that Toby and I are going to be podcasting about on Sunday. All right. So you should ask them. Yeah. Even your kids. That would be pretty fun. Okay. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Now let's get to, uh, to your business. Kevin, I brought you onto the show to discuss your art, but also to discuss the business of art. So first, how would you describe your medium? So I, uh, I work in ceramic clay. I'm a sculptor. I do a lot of abstracted figures, human faces. Um, I'm inspired by folk art and um, sort of international and maybe a, a bit more rustic looking artwork. However, the work that I produce is typically described as modern and clean lined. When did you first get interested in ceramics? So the, the short story is high school ceramics class. Um, I would say it was sort of like a, there's a longer build to that. I, mm-hmm. my mom is very creative and is sort of is dabbled in painting a lot. And um, she always encouraged a lot of creativity in the house and always had just old random art supplies. And, um, she's, she's an avid collector of my work. So I can look back at all of this old, these old things I did as a kid and think to myself, I don't know if it was totally normal to be making some of the things that I did, like trying to create like a shirt with a hood on it as, I don't know, I was probably like eight years old or something, um, or making little post-its with graphic, um, sort of graphic elements on them and just assembling it in a collage. Uh, So it it was definitely an environment that fostered that. And then my dad, on the other hand, was not very creative in the traditional sense, but has a big appreciation for fine art 
and, um, and classical arts. Um, I had the opportunity to travel with my family a lot as a kid to see a lot of um, native artwork throughout Mexico and then traveled a bit um, in Europe and really got exposed to um, um, like amazing art museums all over. And of course we live so close to the art Institute of Chicago. That was something I would take the train in, in high school with a friend of mine to spend the day at the art Institute. Nonetheless, I always struggled with drawing. So I never felt like I was that great at drawing. I was almost like ashamed of it. Um, how I draw. Um, I actually kind of still feel that way, but, um, but, I, but I wanted to do, you know, like make things. Right. So I moved to Florida in high school and they had, it was a big high school. They had a skirmish class. So, I mean, it was as, as good an opportunity as any. I took the class and I really just felt like it clicked immediately. She, the teacher had us do this project of a non-utilitarian bottle. So I, I love things that are made to do nothing except look at. So the idea of like a bottle made to do nothing is like really exciting to me. It still is. And I just love that piece. It was like all of these slabs that I had done and kind of wrapped them around an existing armature. And that was fun. And then it was, it was sort of felt like off to the races after that. Um, it was the first time with a creative medium, artistic medium, that when I would make something, it actually turned out the way that I wanted it to. So it wasn't like drawing where I draw something like, well, that wasn't what it was supposed to look like at all. Like that was not how it was supposed to turn out. I'll do something that was it like worked out. And even if it didn't work out exactly how I wanted it to, I still liked it. And it was like this exciting exploration through the medium. And I still feel that way completely about the medium. It's every day is, uh, it's just really exciting to use it. Was there a particular piece that you kind of looked at as a breakthrough? I know you're talking about like kind of the first one you're yeah. like, kind of, but something that, that you made and you're like, you know what, this is actually kind of good. I bet I can shake down someone for 10 bucks for this thing. Yeah. Um, I distinctly remember a piece. And the crazy thing is this one, I made it in high school and it was this geometric cube that sort of had, if you pictured um, like a four-sided pyramid and you lop the top of it off and you stick four of those together. And then those four clusters would each create a side of a cube. So it looked like that. And I I made it out of slabs and um, it was the first time I'd worked on something. I remember working in the kitchen at our old house and it was like, 11 or 12 at night. And I'm staying up to work on this piece because it was just so fun. And I just, I loved how that turned out. I still have it. And then two years later, I was at the um, SOFA show in Chicago, which stands for sculptural objects and functional art. And I was with a friend of mine from high school. And we turn and look in one of the little gallery booth setups. There was a piece that looked shockingly similar to that piece Um, and it was, it was just like a cool experience to be like, look, wow, that's in this like fancy gallery, but it looks just like that thing that I did. So that would, that would be that piece, I think. But you did not go to college for ceramics. You went for industrial design. Right. So if. What, what drew you to that? (laughs) Um, so on the one, on the one hand, I think seeing this piece and I can think about it now at the sofa show, like that was a sign, like that was the universe Mm -hmm. telling me like, go do this thing that you really love that you're making things that look like it should be in a gallery right now in high school. Right. Okay. That's mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, the whole thing's a little bit far-fetched, but, um, but right. So I've thought about this a lot and I think it has to do with um, like our Midwestern roots. There's like a practicality 
to it where I wanted to get a job. You know, I didn't want to be this um, idea of the starving artist was not appealing to me at all. Uh, I think for a long time, I've defined success in terms of financial success. So that was that was the, probably the main driver of that decision. Well, not only that, but I remember being in the library of high school thinking like, oh, what am I going to go to school for? Like, I should probably be thinking about this or narrowing it down. And um, at that point, I, I was pretty set on something creative. And I came across this this description of industrial design, which is you know designing functional objects, be they you know cars or home decor or anything in between. And um, and that really clicked with me. I thought, that's it. That's what I should go do. It reminds me of this piece of advice I got from my uncle way back when I was in Ne'er-Do-Well in Portland, Oregon. And I was playing music at the time. And he said, like, no matter what, Bob, always have a trade. You know, uh, yeah, always yes. have something to put food on the table. So that seems like the same motivation for you. Yeah, totally. Totally. So did you put your uh, did you put ceramics on hold? While you're pursuing the kind of design? You know, mostly I did. Yeah, it was a pretty rigorous program. So I didn't have... You went to a real school. You went to the U of I. <laughs> I went to a fake school. I went to Eastern. 45 minutes south. Oh, stop. <laughs> no, I don't... It, it felt rigorous. So I am I was also probably taking things way too seriously and like too wrapped up in the whole bit. But mm-hmm. I did take one ceramics class in college. Uh, it wasn't like super interesting. The, the reality is that I don't think at a university, they don't care a whole lot about like undergrads taking in ceramics 101. You know, it's kind of like, here's the project, come back in three weeks and show us. Like when you're in graduate school, then we'll, we'll talk to you. So yeah, I just really focus on design. I, I laugh now because I've looked back at my senior portfolio <laughs> and none of it looks like anything industrial design. It's actually super weird. And I can only imagine somebody sitting on the opposite of an interview table, looking at this like handbound book with one page is black and white photos. One page is like this sort of bizarre hot pink headdress I made. And like another page is like some, I, I don't like it. Nothing looks, you know, di- I did not fit the mold. I still love design and I still, I, I actually take on like freelance design work. I think there was just something there that I can look back and think it's all like pretty silly. Can you describe something that you design, like some, like a for instance of like this is what industrial design is? Well, so it, it runs again, but the things that I do are more trend driven. So along the lines of like home decor, um, I'll do color material finish research. Um, I've even helped people. I sort of I don't know if I would say specialize, but I have quite a bit of experience on the cut and sew side. So if somebody wants help making a a weird bag for like a piece of photography equipment. I, I could help out with that. Was do you think industrial design because you did it for a few years, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it bearable because it kind of allowed you to still be artistic? Yeah, I, I really liked it. It was really satisfying. It was great. I, I loved working in design, and um, and then once I I stopped working for my company and um, started taking on freelance work, and and it was great. Like it was just I, I really enjoy it. I really like it. Um, but nonetheless, ceramics was just something that I just kind of got to this point where I was like, all right, now or never, you know, what are, there's, there's never going to be a perfect time. Like, why not just try, try something. So it all kind of started by taking a class locally where it was just once a week and these, I think eight or 10 week sessions. And, um, 
it just became just really fun. It was just like a weekly little getaway, something to do for fun. And so when did you start taking it seriously? So there is like, you're going for fun. When, when, when was it like, I'm going to go for broke? Um, probably not until, okay. So in my head, it was something I'd sort, I'd wanted to pursue. Right. So I'd been taking classes for a couple of years. Meanwhile, my daughter's, our daughter's five years old. And I kind of thought to myself, all right, like when she's in kindergarten, I will potentially like branch out and either build a home studio or find a studio space to devote more time because um, she was only in school three days a week and I was still taking on client work and it just didn't make a lot of sense to, to have the space to only use like maybe one day a week or whatever. But as luck would have it, um, this opportunity came along to move into a small studio space across town and it was just one of those like, okay, this is too good to pass up. And that was probably a year before she was in school. So then I was, I was kind of, you know, diving in a little bit more and at least trying to kind of trying to like break even with it. So taking it, you know, seriously enough in that way, trying to devote enough time to feel like it was worth having that space. And you were still working at home. You didn't have like the big dramatic, like kicking down your cubicles and you're just like the Jerry Maguire moment. Like who's with me? Let's go make pottery. No, 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 no. That would have been fun. No, I mean, four years ago I was laid off. And so it was probably the opposite where they were just like, okay, just leave, (laughs) just leave. Yeah. Yeah, We need, we need you. And like most of the people that work here to just leave. (laughs) (laughs) And so you started this journey into making this a full-time sculpture practice. And this sounds like this is something that you've always wanted to do. What really made you think that you can make that jump in making this a business? Oh, I don't know, Bob. I'm still wondering. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm at a, I'm at a taking it day by day. Let's, you yeah. know, I have these things that I'd like to do eventually, but, um, you know, it's, it's all well, pretty kind of day by day. Like I'm just, you know, I'm going to the studio and there's things I want to get finished and there's things people will come to me for commissions or different opportunities that I'll want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I, I have these bigger goals and I'm trying to make decisions based on like, okay, is that sort of keeping the ship headed in that direction? Yeah. And that's, so that's kind of how, cause I, I would say I'm still have my moments of what am I doing? Am I going to, is it going to be yeah. like 30 years and I'm going to be wondering like why I did this? I don't, maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> well, let's back it up a little bit in terms of when when you're when you hung out your shingle and stuff. You had your s- small studio space. Did you kind of come up with a business plan, or was your plan really just like I'm going to just start producing and just see how it goes? So I do have a business plan. I was fortunate to be part of a program here in Nashville through the Art and Business Council called Periscope, um, in which twenty people throughout Nashville in across a variety of creative disciplines are chosen. Um, to be part of this program, it's an artist entrepreneur, sort of like eight week, more intensive business class. Um, Mm -hmm. so through that, that firmed up my plan a little bit more. And I've put, I've put some thoughts down on paper. Um, you know, but like any business plan, it probably changes and modifies, but yeah, there's definitely been a thought process of let's try to try to do it this way. And so being an entrepreneur is pretty tough. What were you the mer- most nervous about? I would say, so when I first started freelancing, um, I would get panicked when I didn't have work for 
like a week or two or something. And, um, it was probably a solid year where, you know, I'd go through these, these spurts where I just like wouldn't have anything to do. And I'd call a couple of friends of mine and say that we're full-time freelancers and ah, like, what am I going to do? You know, this is, I'm having a moment. And they would always say, like, they would both say, it's going to be fine. Like do all the things that you never have time to do when you're working on a deadline, catch up on all the random stuff that you, that you need to do. And like something will come along. Um, and it does. So I think that prepared me for the rhythm of having a creative business where there's moments where there's big pushes to create a lot of work and like get things done. And then things slow down a little bit and I can catch up on reaching out to people, you know, editing photos and updating my site, things like that. Kind of just that, that rhythm is probably what freaked me out the most. Is the rhythm kind of, how should I say, pretty regular? Because, you know, I'm in the retail produce business, yeah. you know, and we're definitely have the times where it's like, it's Thanksgiving, it's Easter. And that, is it similar to you? Is like Christmas time? Is that the big all hands on deck thing? Or are there other things? Did you find that there's other things that are kind of drive your business, creative business? Yeah, I would say I'm, as far as, you know, my ceramic work goes, I'm still figuring that out when it comes to mm-hmm. design work. I've got a pretty good feel for it. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, being, having like a couple years under my belt of seeing what that looks like. And to, I mean, totally like the Christmas season is for sure busy. Um, it's maybe a bit more dictated with ceramic work when I have like show opportunities coming up. So if I need to make mm-hmm. a bunch of work to like fill a space, then those are sort of the drivers. Um, but I mean, for sure, Christmas, totally. Was was there something that you didn't expect to be hard, but it really was? Oh, so I thought that shifting from my focus from design to fine art would be like way easier than it actually mm-hmm. is. Um, the, the reality has been like this feeling of, I don't know at all, like how to approach galleries or like how to talk to people about my artwork or, um, that would, that's been like surprisingly difficult. I just thought it would be like a lot easier, not in a bad way, but like, I think, I think it's all just, you know, there's different challenges that come up. Um, but it's like anything, I think life's life's about solving problems and like finding the kind of problems that you like to solve. So I don't mind it. Right. But but it's but it's all pretty challenging. <laughs> I can kind of relate because I think it's probably one of those things where when you get into something that's more creative, you're like, I'm going to devote all this time to, you know, creating art or for me, like I'm just going to record. But then you realize that half of your time's taken up by like really mundane things like, oh, I need to try to post something. I need to yeah. talk to this person. I need to all the aspects that are really important driving a business. Yep. That may or may that isn't all about like creating something, you know, yeah. just kind of, you know, also is very important as well. For sure. That's been a big exercise in like identifying priorities and making sure that studio time happens and ma- actually making things happen because it's also, it's like pretty easy to get caught up in, like you said, the, mund- the mundane. I'm probably sure that there's plenty of times that you wanted to give up. But was there like an early affirming moment that really kind of kept you going? I think it's like a lot of little moments. It's a lot of little things that are just so encouraging. Um, I feel like I've been so lucky to have 
like my family is so supportive and my husband, which is, I mean, he doesn't even seem like it's much of a sacrifice. I think it is. Um, and like friends that buy my work, I'm just kind of like blown away by, um, the support of people that I know and like moved by it. Um, and then also little things where it's like, I'll just get an email from somebody that wants something or, you know, can you make me a piece that's similar to this or, um, like strangers, like, wow, like you don't even know me <laughs> you, and you're reaching out to me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's little stuff like that that are just really energizing and affirming and sort of, you know, for sure keep me going. Can you remember your first sale? Not like a friend family sale, but somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember my first, um, this, this actually feels like very serendipitous. So this is when I was still taking classes, um, here in Asheville and the class session was wrapping up. So I was going to like lose access to the studio and, um, somebody reached out to me in Denver that I'd seen my work in a gallery here and they wanted me to create a lion and, um, and they needed it in a really short timeline, which meant that I couldn't use the the studio, right? Like the one that I would had been working out of. So the alternative was this studio space called the clay lady campus across town that has studio spaces and public firing, um, all kinds of stuff. So I had to make the piece at home and take it there to be fired. And um, so in a matter of a couple weeks, I was probably there and back. I mean, I don't know, like four or five times because something went kind of wrong and I had to go back. That was a cool piece. It was somebody I didn't even know. It was like the, the biggest piece that I'd made to that point. Okay. So let's kind of talk production because you have a couple series that are going on right now. So tell me about that process. Yeah. So I'm working on a couple different series right now. Um, one is called Horny Beasts, which is a little cheeky. And they are little creatures that most of them have horns. and They're like spiky donuts or something. Yeah, yeah. A lot of spiky donuts. And then some little little creatures that are full of personality yet devoid of a face. And um, I think they're just fun. Not useful at all because you like stuff that's not right, useful. Right, Like not useful. <laughs> it's, it's very satisfying for me to to keep my art like primary, you know, like mostly like not useful because that's, that's the delineation in my head is that design is something that you would use for something. Uh, but, but I like the idea of that of piece of art is just to look at and that's enough. Like that's all it has to do. But um, so yeah, most of my work is pretty much all hand built. So that means I use a variety of techniques, coil building, um, using slabs draped over forms um, and using an extruder. And those particular pieces are heavily informed by that process and sort of what's available to use. And so when the, I started making those, um, it was the first time I'd use an extruder in that class. And if you picture a Play-Doh fun factory where you put the Play-Doh in and like squeeze the lever down and the Play-Doh shoots out in like a circle or in a star shape or something like that, that's exactly what it is. Um, so with that, you can kind of do, make different different objects. So those just kind of came together, um, through, through those shapes. Um, I think my work is really form driven and those pieces speak to that. And then I'm also working on this series called faces, which is probably like a little bit slower moving. So the, um, which is to say I'm not making as much of them in like a wall hanging format, but I have these smaller kind of sketch pieces 
with little dishes or Christmas ornaments. And the faces are, it's like how I draw. So like I mentioned earlier, I don't really like how I draw, but I sort of can't stop with these faces. And I'm a little bit taken aback by them. Like I don't think they're, they're kind of scary and like unsettling to me. And yet from almost like an anthropological viewpoint, I love to see how people react to them. I mean, not everyone likes them, but a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, these are so cute. And I'm always like, really? Wow. (laughs) That is so, I don't know. So it's almost an experiment for me to work on these and kind of gauge people's reaction. And, um, and then some of the larger pieces, I'm just really interested in beauty conventions and vanity and exploring exploring that through these pieces. And the, the couple that I'm thinking of, one is called Dental Work and one is called Fill em Up. And I think they're a direct reflection of what I'm thinking about at that moment. And with Fill em Up, I think I've been seeing this sort of like Instagram look of these balloon lips and and creating that from those visuals. I think it's really interesting that people have been modifying their bodies for the sake of beauty for just ages and people are still doing it. It's just the means are different. And so when you're kind of planning out having those series, is there a lot of thought going in or are you just noticing that people are responding to it or are you, you responding to it? I would say it's it's probably me responding to it. A lot of it is mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure things out either technically or just explore these ideas. Ideas will pop into my head and I'll think to myself, wow, I want to see what that looks like. Let's do that. And it generally kind of, you know, fits into one of these themes. So I'll just run with that until, you know, those ideas run out and then hopefully find something else. (laughs) Do you have like multiple price points? Are you thinking of that, that like that way? Like, do you have like your little guys, you know, are the faces kind of like bigger and more expensive than the horny beasts? Yeah. Yeah, they are. The the horny beasts are pretty little for the most part. Um, I've made Mm -hmm. some that are a little bit larger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about the price points for sure. And that's, uh, an interesting sort of thing I'm trying to figure out with working with galleries or showrooms or, you know, like how do all these pieces fit together and what do I want to pursue? Um, so I'm kind of bouncing some things around right now, but are you, are you primarily selling pieces online or in stores? Primarily online. I've been doing, I've been experimenting a little bit with some local shows this holiday season. So I've done a couple of things um, locally and I'll be involved in an art crawl next month. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but online has been good. I'm trying to focus on that. I would say for the time being. It's, yeah. And is it, do you, is it more, is it like a little bit cheaper and easier in terms than trying to get into physical stores or. Well, it's definitely easier than doing a show like a, yeah. a fair kind of situation. Yeah. Um, you know, or maybe it kind of all comes out in the wash because like, you have to like take all the pictures and edit them and, and all that. But um, I, I would like to, to continue to show in galleries. So, so that's, that's a focus also. And so where are you looking to take your business? What, like, what's your, yeah. Yeah. Your fantasy. Okay. So my fantasy is, <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Um, I would love to be in involved in uh, 
in like big art fairs, like Sofa in Chicago or Design Miami, things like that. I just that whole thing just is uh, very like romantic in my mind. I think that would be mm-hmm. be amazing. Uh, and then at some point, I would like to fuse my design side and and fine art side and work with a retailer to collaborate on like a collection of home decor that looks you know like my my style. Kevy and Target. You got it. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> a girl can dream. And so, Kevy, where can people find your work? So you can um, follow me on Instagram at Kevy Murphy Art, or um, check out my my website, kevymurphy.com and sign up for my sporadic newsletter. And um, and finally, I have a show opening at the Nashville airport in March of next year. So if you're passing through. Please check it out. Well, fantastic. So, oh, I got another question. So you're a Padme. Yeah. Which Padme were you um, in Halloween? Okay. So I was a little bit of an obscure Padme because what I did is I recycled a an old bridesmaid's dress. So it was a black mm-hmm. strapless dress. And then I couldn't tell you well, what part of the movie Padme was wearing this, but she had a long scarf and um like fingerless like uh uh, long gloves that probably like went up to her her bicep and your husband who is he he was Was he han solo he was obi-wan kenobi and this so the the driving factor here was my son wanted to be darth vader so the whole (laughs) thing and and our daughter wanted to be Uh, leia so the whole thing kind of you know centered around that we kind of had to just pick up whatever was left (laughs) exactly oh well that's great well thank you so much for your time today kevy the aging hipster is produced and edited by bob serrano thank you and take care of yourself thanks so much bob